Welcome to the Epic Levels Mad Dungeon Podcast, where we create a one-page adventure improv style. I'm Steve Albertson, the Dragon Warrior. Artista Protista, Andrew Baluri, the Tiger Wizard. And I'm Rob Baluri, a.k.a. DJ Robbie Darko, and I love games, dudes. Let's Let's roll. roll! Hello, everyone, and welcome back once again to the Epic Levels Mad Dungeon Podcast. Joining us today, a very special and delightful guest, Ed Greenwood. Ed, welcome to the show. Thank you. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. It is such a pleasure to have you here on the show. You have created so much stuff for our hobby, and um, you really are just a delight to talk to. Um, I wanted to start off with asking you a question. I'm, I'm currently reading uh, one of the books that you wrote, Elminster, uh, The Making of a Mage. And it's sort of like the, in, you know, the, sto- the story start of the character, your character, Elminster, if I'm not mistaken. I'm only about halfway through it, so I can't mm-hmm. speak too intelligently. Um, but, there, you know, Elminster is such a beloved wizard in the Forgotten Realms universe. Um, and as I was reading this, you know, um, sort of his start, Elminster's start, I was wondering if you'd ever considered uh, Elminster's end. Like, is Elminster going to be timeless forever? Or will there be uh, a period on the end of his story? Uh, that, of course is now no longer mine to decide, as okay. I, you know, sold the copyright back in 1986. But uh, I always had in mind, and you can, if, if you read all of the Forgotten Realms fiction I've written over the years, you can see where I'm heading with this. Um, Elminster was originally supposed to just be a mouthpiece, the okay. narrator. Um, if, if you're old enough to remember Ronald Reagan being um, the old storyteller in Death Valley days, he'd sort of peer at the camera and go, well, rough (laughs) time in the valley this week. And then the camera would literally (laughs) go up and over his shoulder and into the episode. And at the end of the episode, it would pan back down. And you'd see him going and saying, well, tune in next week. You know, and Elminster was that sort of character. And, And I didn't intend him to be anything more than an unreliable narrator. Right. Who was closely allied to the goddess of magic and was in the same way that a politician might put spin on things to put their party's viewpoint, you know, to be good and desirable and their opponent's viewpoints not, um, Elminster might deceive us about the realms in small ways just by putting a slant on things. And that book you hold in in your hands or were holding in your hands <laughs> I, I can hold it again yeah there you go you know, I, I no, it. It, oh Whoa. i wrote it in 16 days um wow <laughs> uh well okay not 16 consecutive days that many eight two-day weekends uh okay. in between my day job and uh, i wrote it because brian thompson who was then head of tsr books said you're all going to get to do your iconic characters so, Margaret and Tracy, you have to write I, Strahd. Ed, you have to write Elminster, The Making of a Mage. He gave me the title, and he said, and Elminster has to be all four basic D&D character classes during the book. I said, <laughs> so I said, so can he be all genders, too? And he said, what? And then he said, go for it. That's 
sufficiently weird. I let's see how it turns out. And then they chop the liver out of it in the editing. Oh, really? I haven't I hadn't uh, come across that part yet. So I'm still in the burglar section as he is acquiring and, I guess his And that class. burglar section was 350 pages long before they chopped it. <laughs> Cuz I was having fun. <laughs> but anyway, um uh and but I intended and and if you read all the Elminster stuff all of the seven sisters and all of the other chosen whom we meet on stage are mad. They've been driven mad by the stresses of outliving mm. everybody they knew over and over again, outliving the kingdoms they were born in. They've just gone nuts, and they've had all this power. And so they all end up either suicide, and a few of them, like um, Alovan, did that, off stage and before we got to see them and or they end up as weave ghosts as Salune and so on did like their ascensions in the weave they no longer have a physical body and Elminster was becoming a body snatcher in some of the later books he was like flying Ooh. around looking uh. for living bodies to pour himself into and then there's the moral dilemma of fighting with the occupant of that body for control of the mind Interesting. For, yeah, so there's all of that and I was and I was trying to, you know, point out, you know, these aren't necessarily good guys. They're they're all shades of gray. And, and then of course 50 shades of gray came out and I had to stop using that. <laughs> yeah, it means something else. <laughs> yeah, it Ed, means something when, else now. <laughs> when was the last time Elminster visited Earth? Oh, well, there are two answers to that. Let's have it, both of them. One is the official one. <laughs> Which is NDA cannot Whoa. say. Oh wow! Uh, All right, look, and, at, look at me. I'm on the tip top of. Uh... And and the other one is the practical one, as in I wrote something up and sent it off to wizards yesterday afternoon. So I guess. Oh wow! Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> well, let's. Uh, I'd also like to start off with how I first met Ed Greenwood in person. This is a story about a pre-COVID time in Los Angeles, California. I was on a video call with my brother running around uh, Hollywood, right around uh, Chinese theater, where all of the people in costumes are dancing around waiting for uh, people to take photos with them. I was with my brother, uh, and I videotaped a couple Elvis impersonators who got very <laughs> mad at me. So I was ducking these Elvis impersonators that were trying to demand money from me from uh, pointing my phone in their direction. When Do I, I get to, union uh, scale for this? Yeah, right? And then I ran into the Roosevelt Hotel where I was like, I wonder if there's a roof on the Roosevelt Hotel. And I got into the elevator, and I tried to get – I like snuck in with some other people that were there and tried to get to the roof of the hotel – there was no access to the roof. I went into the top floor. And then as I was coming down, who should get into the elevator with me <laughs> but a wizard? Do you, re do you recall this, Ed? Yes, yes. Yeah, how um, was that weekend for you? That weekend was wild. Um, there actually is a way onto the roof because they, they do yoga classes up there and stuff. I, I, I didn't <laughs> bring my bikini or yoga mat, and I was too busy, but... Um, a shame. Yes. Yeah, a Next shame. time for sure. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if Hollywood's ready for the loveliness that it's been. You know. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're ready, Ed. Taking over yeah. this place. <laughs> we, we do want to jump into creating an adventure with you, but 
before we uh, get into that, um, Ed, could you tell us a little bit about what you've got going on these days? I mean, aside from mysterious uh, messages being passed to and fro between you and uh, wizards. Oh, dear. Okay, well, the short answer is, um, just before COVID hit the world, uh, I had heart surgery, so I was down for about, you know, six months. They don't want you to lift anything and all that stuff. And during COVID, everybody in the various industries I, I work in, game design, writing, TV and, and screenplay writing, they all went, uh-oh, the world is changing. Oh, that shut down. Oh, this is shut down. Oh. And then they all said, wait a minute. I finally have time for my pet project on my bucket list before I die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. And so they all phoned me or emailed me from every time zone on the planet all around the world and said, hey, Ed, I'm calling in that favor. You know, and they all did it at once. So I have been busier than ever before these last couple of years doing all sorts of things. And most of them I can't talk about. But let me just say... If you're into the realms, the most recent thing I released at the DMs Guild was Helm by Alex Kammer, who does Game Holcon in right. Madison, Wisconsin, a great convention. Um, he's a great guy, and he and Alan Patrick uh, and I got together and did, say, Land of the Red Wizards. Nice, glossy hardcover, looks like a wizard's book. Our second such book, we did the Border Kingdoms uh, a year earlier, and gosh knows where we'll go next. Um, we haven't decided. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, I'm with another crew of, of creatives. I'm doing a new Volo's Guide to a city Ooh. in the realms that has never been really covered before other than, like, one paragraph. And it's it's not on the bit of the sword coast that you expect to find. Okay? So, um, yeah, we are once again doing other things. So that'll come out maybe in the summer if we're lucky. It's substantially finished. But when I say substantially finished, that means the text. Now it's time right. to lay it out, buy art, get art, put it together, go through all the layout problems. And as you know, those sound simple when you're in grade six and you're <laughs> gluing stuff down on a page. They're not so simple in the electronic. Anyway. Um, Believe me, Ed, I 100% understand um, it is a constant struggle. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, um, and the other thing I'm doing is uh, there's a friend of mine up in Canada uh, called Andrew Volkoskis, and he has done a diceless role-playing game. It uses runes called Fate of the Norns, and the current iteration of Fate of the Norns is Fate of the Norns Ragnarok. Yes. So it is a Viking role-playing game, except he's, he's covering everything, and he just released something called Children of Eriu, which is Ireland at the time. So it's about 835 A.D. The Vikings have conquered Dublin. This happened in real life, by the way. Uh, we've stretched a few things, like uh, the one-eyed king, King Citrix Swarn, is on the throne of um, Athcliath. And before everybody who speaks Gaelic jumps down my throat about the pronunciation, that, as far as we know, is the most accurate pronunciation for the time. Gaelic has had a great vowel shift like everything else, and so when somebody who is a modern speaker says, oh, that should be Auclea, or whatever, you go, yeah, well, okay, in 1735 it would have been Auclea. 
But you know, so never mind. <laughs> Scholars aside, uh, we have we have a fantasy can, version. Yeah, we can do I this. I got no all say in it one way or the other. Yeah, uh, sounds good to me. But the nice thing about this is, it is a fantasy version of a complete detailed city that you can use with any fantasy oh, very cool. game. That is okay. Imagine ninety-six city blocks like this. Ed's holding up a map for everyone. Yeah. Uh, it looks like it's drawn... Did you draw that, Ed? Yeah, of course. Oh, Ed drew this map. Looks like um, there's some fine details and some new annotations on it. Some yes, sort of I'm... city center, perhaps? I, uh, it's actually near the docks, a minor... But I'm telling the artist, that's a dormer, and then everything has codes on it. That's a slate uh -huh. roof, that's a cedar shake roof, that's a tile roof, um, so that the artist draws it right. And, and then uh, every building has at least Whoa. one NPC detailed in it. And because this game has social combat, every NPC has a dirty secret. Because if mm -hmm. you can find out that dirty secret, you can use it as leverage over them. Without... It's a blackmail game. <laughs> yes. Well, <laughs> among other things. Um, I didn't create the game. Andrew did. Uh, he, and I just am writing for it. But what you're going to end up with is a really detailed fantasy city and if you don't want to use Vikings, you just mm. have to file off all the Norse names. Because <laughs> while there are some um, Celts in the city, Hibernians, Irish, but most, and there are people from all over the world, but they're also Norse. And oh, yeah. Norse didn't have surnames. So if you want, you know, it to sound like Tolkien or another fantasy setting, um, we may publish for free on the website or something. Um, books of names that you can just start substituting oh yeah yeah here that I sounds as... incredibly um incredibly detailed and very you know well thought out uh sort of way to lay out um an adventure in a city um what do you think about maybe laying out an adventure and a location that is considerably <laughs> less well thought out with us sure no problem <laughs> um yes uh uh, beverages are usually involved, as I understand. Certainly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Steve, you want to launch us into creating our own little mad dungeon together? Cool, yeah. And right before I jump in there, I do just want to... Uh, I think we kind of glossed over it, but I would like to just say uh, a little bit about what Ed's done, which is uh, the creator of Forgotten Realms when he was a child, and then on through today, it continues living on. And outside of that, what, uh, over 400 works, uh, including novels, articles, a uh, lot of things that he's written. And then outside of Forgotten Realms, even more worlds. So here we go, creating another new world. We'll see how it goes. So in the Mad Dungeon podcast, what we're here to do is to create a one-page adventure, Mad Lib style. We will roll dice to determine a word that we're going to put into it that may or may not be part of the title, but it's going to give us a starting place to create an adventure. From there, we will figure out who the villain is, uh, who the comrade is, who's going to help the PCs out in this adventure, a MacGuffin, something to get the story started, whether that's a person, a thing, a magical item, who knows? It could be anything. And then at the end, we will have uh, figure out where this adventure is taking place, or we will have a physical location. And Andrew will draw the map for that, and I will write the words, and we will put it out and give it to all of you folks for uh, nothing on the internet. Enjoy. So let's get this party started. Uh, let's start with you, Rob. Okay. Let's get a D6 roll. All right. I rolled a one. 
One is a noun. Uh, let's go with uh, spike. Spike. Ooh. Lots of different versions of spike. Ed, let's go with you. A D6 roll. Four. Four is a verb. Four? Uh, oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, a verb. Um, yeah, hurl. Or an adverb. We're not uh, hard here, but a hurl. verb's good. Hurl. 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 Spike. Hurl. Andrew. Okay, here we roll. Two. Two is another noun. Um, let's go with a um, a Viking longboat. Longboat, okay. As a very specific Viking longboat. There we go. Not? I'm going to roll You're talking nine. about Viking stuff? Yeah, we were. Actually, Viking was going to be mine if I got a noun. Here we go. <laughs> I'm going to figure out another one. Here we are. Five. I get the uh, adjective, and I will say swarthy. 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 All right. Well, so we've got some words. We've got hurl, spike, swarthy, and Viking longboat. Let's go ahead and uh, jump into our first segment, which is... Initial thoughts. More like astronauts or Jason's mighty argonauts traverse the sandbox with our initial thoughts. <laughs> Spike McHurl, the swarthy Viking. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I mustn't. I, stop me before it. I mean, you must. I mean, you it's must. too late. You've already done it. <laughs> yes. Ed, uh, why don't you start us off? I can tell from your laughter that you have some fun initial thoughts. Uh, well, uh, Here's the thing. I am a fan of the adventure unlooked for. As in, you do something. So let's say you do something with this spike you find. And you suddenly find yourself transported to a a room underground you've never seen before with with corridors or passages running off of it in all directions. And there's your you're going to have to go through this dungeon. Mm. So oh, you think yeah. it's a magic spike, like a teleporting spike? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like a Harry Potter port key or some such similar contraption? Well, yeah, sort of like a uh, in the realms I'd use it as a ward token. As in, if you're okay. holding it or carrying it on you and you go to a certain spot, it just sort of activates and you didn't know that. Mm. You know, so you you might have you so, might have picked up the spike on in a tavern because somebody left it on the bench you were sitting at drinking, or it might have been a doorstop somewhere, and you said, "Wait a minute." It was left over from the traveling circus that just came through town, <laughs> holding down one of the yeah, tents. Yeah, sure, tent yeah. But you end up with a spike, and now you're in for it. Yeah, well, um, Andrew. Let's get some initial thoughts from you from these oh, words. Okay. Sure. Well, so uh, the first two words that I heard was uh, Rob's spike and Ed's hurl. And the mental image that immediately popped into my head was some poor fool uh, who had mistakenly uh, consumed some sort of vile potion that caused uh, him to start excessively vomiting some sort of, uh, you know, barrage of caltrops or spikes. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, that's what popped into my head. 
I might need to seek counseling. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but then, you know, Steve, with your swarthy... Uh, and let me jump your, into swarthy for just a moment before we go on. Yeah, I, go ahead. Take I, over. That was my initial thought. Well, I'm not even going to take over, but I just had almost immediately regret with swarthy because it... Swarthy just pretty much means, like, a dark-skinned person. <laughs> and it, like, uh, is used in, oh, like, pirate talk and, like... Yeah, piratey is what piratey I Piratey sort that. of stuff. But, uh, like, that's the technical definition. So I would like to potentially own that and make sure that it's only used in uh, potentially positive ways. Oh. Right oh, off the Oh, okay. Of course. So it's, it's <laughs> Swarthy McGretz, the pirate. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Swarthy hurls. Swarthy hurls, yeah. <laughs> oh, this is going to go south in a hurry. I can tell. Uh, One of my... <laughs> that's, the thing that on, I now. first thought of was uh, some sort of contest where you're throwing spikes, kind of like javelin. And then the okay. next two words were Viking longboat and Swarthy. And I was like, Oh, it's a javelin contest on a Viking longboat, but I I don't know where that goes or anything. But that was oh, you like maybe mission. they're like on different boats throwing these port key ward tokens at each other. <laughs> maybe so, I don't know. Like yeah, so you throw the spike from boat to boat, and if you catch it, you teleport like I don't know out into the middle of the ocean or something, <laughs> or you're caused to start vomiting call trips. <laughs> I think getting a uh, teleporting uh, spike or multiple ones makes a location-based adventure a wild proposition. And I'm wondering if we're going to uh, get into... Uh, so I'm wondering if we can make them more limited to where they teleport to or from. Like maybe it's a maybe one-way it's, ticket. Yeah maybe, it's, yeah, maybe they just take you to different boats like a tug of war game that people play on these viking longboats and if you can port or uh you know token more people onto your boat than are on the other boat by hitting them with the spikes hmm then, then or you win maybe the spike is like an anchor when there's nothing to anchor to like it's oh. a magical now that's a cool concept oh i love yeah. that idea that's cool just... Yeah, because like you know, um, that that just sort of made my mind flash to um, the the ships that travel in between the realms in uh, Spelljammer, mm -hmm. right? Because they're kind of like floating in between in between realms, and I forget what the it's called in stopped. Spelljammer, but there you go. <laughs> yeah, what a name! Hey, I blame Jeff for that, not me. <laughs> yeah so what uh, about steve what spikes? are your uh, initial thoughts there well spikes and long boats i don't feel like they go together too well because that just kind of pops holes in boats right the spike is built to uh you know penetrate something so perfect again <laughs> uh <laughs> that's so, that sounds great we can get a titanic out of this one <laughs> yeah but i mean maybe the whole goal is like I like the idea of teleporting from ship to ship. I also like the idea that the uh, the goal is also to sink that ship. So, like, maybe our adventure is... or And Ed had us going into a dungeon, but maybe, like, each ship is its own, like, two... 
uh, like the dungeon is separate ships with a couple rooms inside of it, but they're all connected by these spiky port keys. Oh, or maybe the maybe you flip that, and it's a dungeon that has an ocean of longboat ships inside of it. Could be. We're still in initial thoughts. We could go a lot of different ways with this. The other yeah. thing is taking uh, hurling and long sh- and longboats, and potentially something that's big enough to hurl a Viking longboat. <laughs> sure. oh. So some sort of uh, nep- a Neptune giant like. Oh, Neptune. Yeah. So yeah. maybe. Yeah, Look, I don't want to fall into a pattern, but we do really like building kaiju-sized yeah. things to interact with our players. Um, I think all of this sounds fun. Uh, what do you think, Rob? Man, there's so much. Uh, so much has been thrown out so far, and there's so many it's great hur- ideas. Hurled. Things just yeah. hurling. Hurled. Things have been yeah. hurled hurling straight ideas. at me, left and right. Um, I li- I like the idea of the the boats themselves being the dungeon somehow. I think that's really okay. cool, and it's it, and it still enables us to have like maybe there's still that moment that I loved that um, Ed thought of where you know the adventure unlooked for. I love that start where something you know completely different is going on, and then we're transported to this fleet of ships somewhere. And oh my god! Oh, if we. Yeah, we're tra- like you're chosen by p- touching the spike, right? So like there's competitors and everyone has their teleportation spike and they all just like stand there looking at each other. Like, <laughs> oh, you have a spike too? <laughs> and then I there's like some that, like, swarthy stabbing... sea giants that are like, let the games begin. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. What do you think, Ed? We've... We've hurled a bunch of ideas against the wall or any of these um, sticking like spaghetti for you? All of them are sticking like that's always my problem. I, I want everything. <laughs> uh, um, I'm, I'm a child of the 60s. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Let's see if we can do, put well, all this stuff yeah, into an adventure. Uh, what do you think about um, that? Some, I, I, I believe a poor suffering person here. To wit, Andrew has to draw this, and you said something about fitting on one page. <laughs> so, uh, don't worry about me; I'll figure oh, it out. Okay. Yeah, I don't. It goes more on to me, Ed, and getting a word count to a manageable place for Andrew to fit on a page. <laughs> well, you know, there's this so, thing called mouse type. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. We try to make these things with a nice two-point font. Yeah, that's you have it. to read it with one of those jeweler's <laughs> eyes. Yes. Um, yeah, I used to drive people at TSR mad when they got my original pencil things because I would write in tiny words all the way down the page, and then I turn <laughs> the page and write across it over top of the, and then oh, I put it on an angle of it because paper was precious. And well, I was I was raised by a maiden aunt who grew up in the Depression. There was no paper. You went to the supermarket, you bought stuff in brown paper bags, you took the brown paper bags home, you slit them with a kitchen carving knife, <laughs> you ironed them flat, and you gave them to the kids to write on because paper was precious. Oh, my goodness. So, <laughs> um, yeah, no, no, you, you, the, the let's squeeze everything in is sort I'd also like to squeeze in the preciousness of paper into this yeah, adventure somehow. If we could do that somehow, that'd be great. <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel guilty already. It's like, oh no, I have put us on the past perdition with my mouth. 
Oh, that sounded wrong too. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> yeah, this is just get, this adventure is just getting better oh. and better. Yeah, well, let's take let's take these ideas. We have a lot of things floating around, and let's move into our next segment because we might be able to lock some stuff down if we focus on who is the villain. Yo, that's enough chilling. Who is the villain? Maybe we should start this next segment with kind of a summary of all the things we talked about last one. Just so we have it kind of top of mind. Okay. You want to take us into that, Steve? <laughs> Maybe. Do I have it? <laughs> That's, That's a, a great, great question. question as well. <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's do it. Okay. Here we are uh, getting into the villain. Just a brief overview of our initial thoughts segment. Uh, we talked about uh, hurling spikes, a teleporting spike, potentially having the spike be a chosen key to put you on some sort of adventure on Viking longboats. We talked about having the Viking longboats, multiple boats being the uh, dungeon itself. I kind of thought there might be teleportation from one boat to another as part of it. We mentioned, uh, by we I mean I mentioned hurling the longboats themselves (laughs) as potentially part of this adventure through uh, sea giants. Uh, And then right there near the end, we want to talk about the preciousness of paper. Um, is, is there anything that I missed in our initial thoughts that we um, want to add to this? The spikes being port keys and ward tokens, the adventure unlooked for, the spike is an anchor, there's somebody vomiting, caltrips, and I th- think that might be... <laughs> that's the hurling yeah. spikes. <laughs> so, I mean, that's... Yeah. Vomiting caltrips. <laughs> vomiting caltrips. It's like, uh, well, it's a regular, like thing when like in possession films like in horror movies like oh, to yeah. be vomiting up needles or metal bits is uh a trope it doesn't seem i mean it fitting into i'll this tell you this it doesn't sound pleasant no, no. It sounds unpleasant all right let's uh does anyone have ideas for a villain of the piece I think the only thing that I know about this villain is he is causing people to vomit caltrips and spiky things. I mean, I don't know who he is or who they are, but um, I feel like that is their super is it, evil power. Is it some sort of um, uh, porcupine in s- somehow? Ooh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to combine that with my idea here, Rob. Okay. Hear me out. Bear with okay. me for a moment, everyone. What if <laughs> yeah. this is some sort of sea giant sports league where the teams are multiple giants passing like uh, Australian rules football or water polo long ships and part of the crew of the longships is part of the game as well, okay. where your goal is to help your team score a victory or score a point, and then you will be allowed to return home. Okay, bring it back to the villain. The, the villain is the opposing team. A the referee? Villain, the villain no. is somebody oh. who's opposing the A Vince these McMahon games? type oh. character who runs the league? Are you saying, uh, yeah, like a wrestling <laughs> personality? Sure. What if it's one giant, one sea giant versus one other sea giant in a game of chess? 
like uh but like violent viking chess viking long ship chess between two sea giants <laughs> ed what do you think uh mm, i i'm i'm still aghast at the idea that um the viking giants would agree on anything long enough to do anything <laughs> um uh, that they wouldn't just start beating on each other if you see what i mean well i feel like the giants don't need to necessarily be viking giants they could just use the vikings as the pawns in their game ah so could be who is the poseidon equivalent in norse mythology is there one i'm not even sure hmm. yeah that's a there's got to really know want well, there's a there's there's obviously the the evil porcupine god of the sea, right? Like yeah. has been, everybody knows that about has been that. A... Well, Poseidon did horses from the sea. Who did porcupines from the sea? <laughs> what is the porcupine of the sea? There is a um, sea anemone a type or of sea urchin? urchin. An urchin? Yeah, right? sea urchin. So Puffer, pufferfish. Maybe, yeah, maybe that's. Uh, but but why does it that's... always have to be God? Why can't oh, we get right. into it, trouble it has... all on our own? <laughs> uh, agreed. I, I feel like the gods take a bad rap from people who don't want to take responsibility for their own actions. It wasn't me. <laughs> the god made me do it. Yeah, right. <laughs> so maybe there's some some violent um, ship play going on, and those involved in this violence are blaming it on a game of the sea gods. When in actuality, it's just their own, um, yeah. you know, malicious intent. Ooh, I like that. Malicious intent. Okay. Now we're getting into the backstory. How did we get onto this ship dungeon thing? Aboard the good ship, malicious Who summoned intent. summoned us here? Uh, <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. HMS malicious intent. Ooh, there you go. Okay, so I want to bring it back to... Um, uh, the villain here, um, Rob suggested a porcupine creature. I mean, it went for um, a nautical-based adventure, I think sea urchin is much more appropriate. Right, okay, yeah, so or, or uh, the sea fish. porcupine. Yeah. Or puffer fish. Or the puffer fish, sure. Um, Ed, what are your thoughts on a... Uh, you know what, and also the... Oh, well, I guess this is where you came up with porcupine, Rob, because it's a Spiky, spiky. yeah. That was spiky. the whole thing. It was yeah. spiky. Okay. <laughs> Got it. I'm a few steps behind, but I'll catch up. Spiky, my pet put in. No. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Steve, do you want to add on to the the sea urchin villain a little bit? Do you have I mean, any ideas? I'm, it's hard to get the ideas when we don't know what we're uh, doing yet. So, like, a very basic Hey, hey, thing hey, hey, is... hey. I go through my life not knowing what I'm doing. Most of <laughs> an, I feel seen here. It's an important place to start. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I'll add something onto this uh, sea urchin villain. I think that this sea urchin villain is uh, a sea ur- like half sea urchin, half humanoid creature. So it walks, stands, and walks upright, but has the head of a uh, puffer fish. And their goal, or an urch, sea urchin, whatever, you know, a spiky fish head. Yeah, yeah. Right? And their goal is to get parchment because in the watery realms 
Oh yeah, paper is precious. Paper would be precious underwater because of how quickly it dissolves. Mm. So maybe um, the sea urchin porcupine paper man uh, <laughs> is looking to um, rob these Viking longboat dungeons of their parchment. Hmm. Okay. Um, okay, I'm trying to see the the functioning economy here, and I'm failing. Yeah. Uh, but, but on the other hand, um, I, I live in the real world, and I look at our economy in Canada, and I look at the United States economy next door, and they don't function. Doesn't make much more yeah. sense. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, we're starting wars over oil. There could absolutely be wars over tree, and even right now, we do have supply chain problems. Yeah. And, Books are costing more than ever, so uh, yes, it, uh, maybe yeah, a lot of putting... that actually has to do with paper. Yes, uh, yeah, better than oil. I mean, think about it. We're fighting wars and killing people over more lube. <laughs> you know, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's important, you know, for the for the happiness of the nation. Ah, every nation. Ah, yes. No, now I'm thinking. Uh, what would these ships be carrying in the normal run of things? Like before we did the uh, do a dungeon adventure, why would they be here? Where would they be going and what would they be carrying? And then I realize, oh no, you're thinking like a designer again. Let's just kill things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but these are, I think, are great questions because I, I like the very base idea we had of uh, going and using these like multiple longboats as dungeons themselves, where maybe there's four of us, maybe there will be four ships total, right? Right. Where they're being controlled by this uh, spiky headed fish captain who has teleported you there because you found his magical, their magical spike, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? This captain also uh, can force you to vomit caltrops, which has been brought up a lot too, which is a very odd thing to happen on a ship because it's just going to increase its weight, right? So how big, let's talk about this. I mean, how you can big pitch it over these... the side. I mean, <laughs> you, you seasickness could. is a That's thing that happens. That's what we do over the side. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. How big are we thinking these Viking long boats are? Because traditionally they fit like 16 people, right? They got oars on them. They weren't very large. How? Uh, because yeah. for one thing, yeah. guess what? Uh, usually ladies, but sometimes men, in wall looms, meaning you stuck a few long sticks up against the wall of wherever you lived, were knitting the sails out of wool. Oh my gosh. They were yeah. wool until, you know, cottons came along. So, um, which really came along. Can you imagine how heavy Yeah, that is? particularly when wet. So they weren't very large, these sails. I think it's, I think maybe we can just call them Viking short boats. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that works. Yeah. 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 Do that. Yeah. But, Not but quite so... as long as advertised. <laughs> I see you've done this before. Yes. Minimize expectations <laughs> of the marketing. <laughs> um, now, now there is also another tradition. If somebody important died they either might be buried in a ship buried or they might be as we see in all the movies because it looks cool put into their ship with grave goods and you know that grave goods could include their horse their slaves you know um and yeah and then sat on fire and pushed out to sea which means you're going to lose your boat 
So mm. maybe the whole thing is to make sure your boat doesn't get chosen. It's somebody else's boat that gets burned. Mm. Okay. Okay. One of the, the Wait, so eventual funeral pyre boat needs to be avoided at all costs. Yeah. Or are we thinking something more along the lines of Laugh Olympics? Or what was the other one with the wacky race? Like where maybe all the PCs have their own boat that they need to protect mm. in some sort of race scenario to not be lit I mean, on fire yeah. and sent to the afterlife. Hmm. I like the uh, uh, the race scenario. That's cool. Maybe we maybe we get teleported to a shoreline with our magical spike, and there's an array of short boats there, and we're kind of been thrown into this evil game almost and then instead of uh you know the the boats themselves being the dungeon we could create some like i don't know islands or um sea obstacles of some kind they have to navigate through Mm. some waves bro and then it's all orchestrated by our uh evil sea urchin friend do you want to give uh the evil sea urchin person a name uh probably uh spike <laughs> yeah i was about to say i have like 100 right all right well good that's you on the nose uh no, no 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 i that okay that avoids all the unintentionally hilarious and possibly inappropriate um other uses <laughs> of spike as in here we are on this Peach, only my magical spike can save us now. You know, if we're using spike for something else, it, as in a name, it takes it off yeah. the table for yeah. misuse in other ways. <laughs> well, and I am going to encourage as much misuse oh, as possible. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Spike a vein for some heroin. We could talk about Spike from Degrassi Junior High School, a famous Canadian yes. show. Yeah. We could talk about Spike from Buffy. I don't know how many other spikes we got. <laughs> Spike Jones? Did you Spike Jones, famous director of Beastie Boys videos. <laughs> ah, oh, that's Spike yeah. Jones. I, you see, to someone of my, it, it's the guy who does the novelty records. <laughs> oh yeah. Also good for this. Maybe this is a. Maybe your competition is just all the other spikes. <laughs> other people named Spike. Spike from Degrassi Junior High School. I was famous for being a uh, punk rocker in the early 90s and got pregnant in high school. Can you believe it? I thought you were going I to say it. they were famous for being a funeral pyre boat racer. Also, <laughs> also that. Oh, Who knows? Yeah, yeah, but I have a feeling if we go that road, you know, other spikes in the world, there's going to be a heck of a lot of large, mean-looking dogs that show up. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's maybe true. that's the majority of your competition. Yeah. I, I think that should so, be an obstacle somewhere. It's just a bunch of dogs with spiky collars and big teeth. We are we are still in the uh, the villain segment. Oh yeah. Um, oh. And so we have a name. We have a name for our villain, Spike. Yeah. We have um, we have a Viking. Short Maybe he boat has a spike. hand that's a spike. Ooh, I love that. He also yeah. definitely has a hand that's a spike. <laughs> that was easy. Um, he can like cause. A- like a punching spike head? Yeah, it's like he spiked through people's heads. Oh, my God. You see, great. for a moment there, we were channeling and... TSR designers. That's how easily we added stuff to adventures <laughs> that later became classics, and they thought, how did you figure that out? Somebody threw out an idea. But 
then we yeah. jumped right off the TSR boat because we had something that would be against the code of conduct. Oh, a spike that you stick through people. Oh, we can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> it's the wild, wild west out here. We can put spikes wherever we want them. Oh, uh, sorry. Yes, I'll behave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can I ask um, a question as we're in the villain section is what is Spike's motivation? That's what I was. Yeah, it's exactly where I was trying to get to, Steve. Thank oh, you. Oh, um, oh, oh, so it's method acting. Uh, <laughs> that's right. You got to get into the place. Remember when you're dad pushed you onto a spike and then rolled you into a viking longboat we gotta get to that point in our brain right, so right. we can encompass uh, yeah and the, the point and, that we can all relate to and you said dad again <laughs> <laughs> i mean the the key to every great villain and lord knows that you've had uh, i mean probably hundreds of great villains at this point uh, is to give them a little bit of a personality something that's gonna humanize them a little bit and not just be evil mustache twirling for the sake of evil although sometimes that's fun too got it rosebud no <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah what is well, spikes here's an idea. rosebud <laughs> here's an idea for our spiky villain spike um you know we've sort of been jumping around this whole um idea of, of viking longboats and and whatnot what if spike the sea urchin captain is simply pillaging the land side, like up and down the coast, pillaging, um, you know, villages and um, pillaging them for the precious paper. Um, you know, we briefly touched on that earlier, the paper being precious. Or maybe there's some other good, you know, Oh, it, it, okay. Think of it again, back to the economy. If we're pillaging <laughs> up and yeah. down the coast, that's a one-time thing. But if you're encouraging all these villages to restock so you can plunder them again next season, then right. surely you'd like to. The last thing you do, drenched with blood, corpses everywhere, <laughs> corpses burning over there on the hill, is turn around with your piece of precious paper and say, nice village you got here. Be a pity if something happened to it. And <laughs> I wouldn't want the last one of you to be staked out organ by organ for the seagulls so see this little list i'm handing you this is what you have to have for next season when we come back start mm. growing Ooh, so they're like <laughs> diabolical yeah so they're like pipe paper gangster pirate vikings and then he crawls after he hands yeah. off his list to the terrified villager he climbs back aboard his viking short boat the malicious <laughs> yeah, <intent>. yeah. <laughs> okay well, I, I feel like i have a better idea of who spike is now and man he's he's mean he's just a mean guy he is a mean guy i'm almost getting the feeling of like uh a death race with viking longboats where you're just trying to like get them sunk before they get to the next town or something. Yeah. Oh, that's a cool so maybe idea. yeah, maybe the players are commissioned or um, hired. So one of these villages is handed their their shopping list for next season and instead of going and purchasing these goods, they decide to hire a group of adventurers. Look, we're tired of paying this tithe every year. Instead of getting his grocery lists of lube and spikes, <laughs> we're <laughs> paying you to track him down 
over the high seas. Andrew, I think I see where you're going with this. And let's move on to our next segment, which is The Comrade. Friends, Nikki Gladsoul, who is The Comrade? All right. Let's. Who's going to be our PC's friend? Who's going to be the person to help explain what's going on? Who's going to help them out? Who's going to uh, get things okay, moving? So, Maybe who's the foil for Spike? Uh, okay, I have a question here before we get any further. Is, is this sure. person supposed to be really helpful or just annoying? Mm. Oh, I don't think it really matters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we'd go either. Oh, okay. Yeah, we've gone in a lot of directions here. The, at the end of the day, they need to be on the side of the PCs. They could be annoyingly. Do, they could do that annoyingly. I mean, yeah, we've had, you name it. <laughs> I feel like this person could be the captain of a, a ship that the players use to track down Spike, or it could also be um, the headmaster or like the leader of the village, right? That uh, that hires the players. Well, you have the classic samurai trope of the villagers gather all of their you know, 15 silver pieces between the whole village themselves and then try to find a champion to, like, be like... Hire the seven samurai. Exactly. Okay, well, I mean, we could do both. <laughs> That's true. But it's like, do but do we want to do that? You know, like, is there a more kind of wild take? What do you or, think, or Rob? Add on to it, maybe. I think that if the... I, I I like the i the the intro setting of uh, the the list in the paper, and yeah. um, I love where we're going with you know maybe maybe the comrade is the leader of the town, but I I almost feel like you know maybe the. I I, th- I think leaning more towards the comrade being a ship captain is better because then they could be with the, the PCs throughout the adventure as we go. And sure. uh, that way, you know, they can uh, offer guidance when needed. And it's not just like a one-time interaction. I feel like sometimes what our comrade think? is like a one-time interaction and then we don't. Yeah. What do you think um, about the... Uh, the comrade, instead of being a ship captain, actually being the Viking short boat, or just a boat. A sentient right? boat? So it's like... a, yeah, sentient boat. Hi, but, I'm um... Bodie McBoatface. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I was named in a contest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. I don't hate that at all. I can't remember what that was from. That was like an online contest. Yeah, they were going to name a giant ship. A ferry or something <laughs> like that for the yeah. channel. No, it was like an exploration oh, ship. Yeah. It was like yeah. going to do important science work. And they named it... <laughs> no, Bodie they didn't McBoatface. name it Bodie McBoatface, even though Bodie McBoatface won by a landslide. Yeah. That they, was, named oh, okay. the, they named the... Um, one of the exploration vessels like a little submarine Bodie McBoatface instead. So they okay. compromise. It was a yeah. Let me ask you this question: Do we want to uh, hold on to the idea of the teleporting spike we had way in the beginning, or drop it? My brain keeps going back to it, but I just want to get consensus from. Uh, I the think group. I think it could oh. be used as like a boarding device 
to get on a That's different right. show. Here's a, thinking like did here's a fun here's a fun thought that could possibly tie that idea to Bodie McBoatface is what if um, this sentient boat is um, it's not a power but it's a curse of teleportation so it has a difficult time staying at anchor um, but rather um, blips in and out and it needs. Um, somewhere in here we mentioned uh, an anchor, right? So it needs an anchor to be able to stay in our plane. Like, our like plane a dimensional existence. anchor? A dimensional anchor, exactly. The blood of souls! Um, which adventures you're going to get from me. Ha ha ha. Yeah, see, like, I need to keep my this uh, dimensional anchor spike charge. You're going to have to get... Uh, couple souls into it. I'm going to have to put this spike into a couple people to keep it nice and charged. Otherwise, I'm going to blink all over the place. I like it. Did you spike the anchor yet? <laughs> yeah, you got to spike the anchor. Oh, where are we going to go spike the anchor? Pirates. we got to go to pirates. There's a real moral question with spiking the anchor. I also like the term spiking the anchor. It's very cool. Yes, yes, yes. We must use this power only for bad. Um. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Okay, so so maybe um, the spike brings you to Bodie McBoatface, and then Bodie McBoatface is your vessel to get to. Like, so maybe the uh, town mayor or whoever has the spike that'll get you to Bodie McBoatface that they've somehow channeled to get next to Spike in order to stop him. You know what I it. The the plot is as solid as Swiss cheese, but I like it. it uh, it's stinky and it probably tastes delicious. Let's go with it. Well, let, let me let me do an overview and let's just see if we're where we're at with the overview, right? Because I think it's okay. very simple at this point, which is Spike is pillaging the countryside, gangster style, uh, strong arming communities into giving them supplies that they will come by once a season to get. Someone is hiring the PCs to go and stop them. They will give you Bodie McBoatface to do it. I feel like it's that simple at this point, unless there's other stuff I'm missing aside from details. I I mean, that sounds right to me. I'm loving where yeah. it's going. All right, let's do a classic uh, thing that we do here. This is a suggestion from uh, Zach, the producer. And that's let's make a quick... Uh, it could be a D4 chart, but I think let's just give Bodie McBoatface... Four powers. We'll each just give Bodie McBoatface one thing this dimensional teleporting boat can do outside of teleport. We'll also need to come up with a better name than Bodie McBoatface. Yes. I don't think we... Yes. I mean... <laughs> I think that one's already been claimed. Yeah, and I, I'm sorry yeah, about that. True. I'd like to apologize here and now for... Um, <laughs> um, and and yeah. would you like to give him a new name? Give this thing? Ah, uh, the Witch of the Waves. Oh, the Witch of the Waves. Delightful. I love it. It even has alliteration. So beautiful. All right. The Witch of the Waves. What are, let's give it four powers outside of teleporting uh, for the Witch of the Waves. Andrew, why don't you start? Okay. Well, um, I think that the Witch of the Waves has the power to turn any, any creature that sets foot on its dock into a frog. Okay. I mean, it's so like the on its surface? not its dock on its yeah. deck. Yeah, you deck. step right, on foot on the deck. Uh, the witch of the waves has the ability to turn you into a frog. 
it doesn't have to. It's just like when it no, no, no. wants yeah, to. It's, uh, it's optional, you know. Great. Rob, what do you got? Uh, I was going to say that the Witch of the Waves can um, hurl or throw, uh, you know, some form of ammunition. Uh, How about spikes? Spikes. <laughs> spikes, maybe. I, I don't know. a theme here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> like broadside cannons kind of a thing. So on the sides of it or in the front? Yeah. All, all of it, just surrounding it. So you could just fire. Oh, like a porcupine. It just does like maybe one fire and it just shoots in all directions. That would be cool. Before you have to like reload it with more blood on the spike. I don't know. Sure. I feel like the power is feeding the spike blood and souls. Also, you, everyone, I have been rewatching Nightmare on Elm Street. I watched all of them over the last like three days. So I've got collecting souls on the brain. Well, you, you watched all of the... The like you didn't watch the Freddy versus Jason movies too. Did no, you? that's next. I'm on uh, <laughs> okay. number six right now from '92. <laughs> oh dear. I mean, yes, right. Uh, <clears throat> okay. I think I think the um, the boat, the Witch of the Waves, should also have the power to heal stricken mm. humans, wounded humans that are brought onto its deck. Specifically, specifically their throats, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. Specifically puncture wounds. <laughs> puncture wounds up and along its throat. Maybe it's, um, like it's a soothing balm that it can feed to, like it, maybe it can secrete a soothing balm from its <laughs> Are you talking about lube? Are you oh, saying it's a lube no. Bag? Here we maybe. go again. <laughs> uh, but maybe it, like, uh, you know, the woolen sails, um, can excrete, uh, a healing... Sal. Draft. Yeah. Or not. It's just an idea. <laughs> well, uh, table that discussion I mean, for later. I mean, I, I, I like gives it some flavor. It's like got this the sail on it's just dripping with salve. <laughs> yeah, and you can just take a nice little shower under it, or if your throat's really hurting, take a little sip. Whatever. <laughs> All right, and I'm going to say that the fourth power that the uh, Witch of the Waves has is to do a uh, a uh, polymorph to it and its occupants, but only as a whole, not individual polymorphs. Is it is it only able to polymorph itself into a giant frog? Because it already has the ability to turn any creature on its deck into f- smaller frogs. Correct. So it could turn people into frogs. But if you're chasing after these other ships, for example, you could polymorph into a sailfish or you could polymorph into a turtle dragon. I don't know. Whatever. Okay, great. All right. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Well, that sounds pretty good for uh, Witch of the Waves. Yeah, so it seems like Um, our comrade is is a uh, teleporting frog's transmutating spike cannoning healing polymorphing boat that is ready to help us pursue this evil spike captain Can, oh does um does the witch of the waves have a beef against spike that is was my question too yeah do we have a motivation yeah. for our friend witch of the waves what does witch of the waves want out of life well presumably witch of the waves should want something that the adventurers have to do because we're, we're at the moment, we're in the danger of which in the ways can do everything. Why do you need the adventurers? 
Is it a meat grinder? Yeah, exactly. So then we have to come down to, okay, where do the adventures fit in? Why them? Hmm. Oh, maybe we have a panel of buttons that do these special things. Like, it's still a vessel that needs to be operated. I was thinking the adventurers would would come in where they have to board the other ships. So the the Witch of the Waves can get you there, but you have to go the extra leap to take over the ship or whatever the opposing. Maybe the Witch of the Waves has a um, like a uh, has made a promise to the ocean that it will not attack other vessels and it will only heal uh, it does the have the spike attack launch, though yeah <laughs> spikes is a little against that no, 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 but, spike but, has stolen but maybe maybe the witch of the waves can't do anything which is why the witch of the waves needs adventures to do the nasty stuff for it so it can get oh, around yeah. the promise it made and still have fun i think so I this could be great. kind of like an Ursula promise that the Witch of the Waves made to have its special powers, and it promised that it would do no harm on the... Yar, but I said nothing about adventurers now, did I? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. What, yeah, and he's now definitely pirate talking. What if Spike has stolen or kidnapped several of Witch of the Waves' boat babies? Whoa. Boat babies. Boat babies. Boat babies. Boatlings. What do you have against witch babies? (laughs) (laughs) But so then you'd have like this kind of motivation also. Yeah. Beyond just like being good where you have something more at stake. Just imagining Spike has like a little, um, uh, a little like kiddie pool (laughs) in, in his, uh, like in his, um, you know the main like on the main ship lounge, <laughs> yeah, and he's like got the little toy little boats. boat wings, like, pew 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 pew, fighting them <laughs> against each other. <laughs> oh dear. Um. Hmm. Yes. But again, where do the adventurers come in? What are we going to give the adventurers to do? Why the adventure is important to this adventure? I think this might be a good opportunity for us to move into our next section, which is. The MacGuffin. I found a metal leg. It will give me a tough shin. Somehow I think it's special. It must be the MacGuffin. So the MacGuffin is, of course, um, something that drives the characters, hooks them into the story, um, gives them a reason to be. Oh, my goodness. We are being like modern Americans. We're planning (laughs) instead of just doing it. (laughs) And it's almost as though it went right on course, much like Witch of the Wind would, into what's going to get these characters involved. So I feel, well, we have several motivating factors, right? So protecting the good people. Protecting a village. Perhaps saving boatlings. All of these things to get involved. But if we're and again, uh, well, not again, I don't know if we've ever said it. We like to make these adventures uh, kind of, uh, nu- uh, what's the, game neutral, right? So it could be D&D, it could be Call of Cthulhu, it could be Traveler if you want to drop in. Whatever kind of, we're not making for a specific system, right? So kill and get loot could be that, which is as D&D as it gets. But it could also 
have other sorts of motivations for our characters. But what's well, going to get yeah, them I think, going? I think Is it for... the magic spike? Are we teleporting in? <laughs> well, so they have that from the beginning, right? Well, I'm saying, um, is that what's going to get people going? Oh, could be. There, I mean, there also is the fact that Spike's boat has been pillaging village after village, so I, imad- I imagine that it is, you know, laden with treasure. Hmm. Lying low as in far the as water. your mm-hmm. <laughs> a ripe plum for the picking. Listen, there's um, nothing I know player characters love more than pillaging reams and reams of paper. Yeah. Their favorite treasure. <laughs> um, I love that mental image of like at the end of the adventure, they go down into the hole. They're like, "Let's see what we got," <laughs> and it's just paper. Like, Dot matrix? Where am I going to get a dot matrix printer at this time of year? (laughs) Off-white? No, 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 no. That's rodent dropping white. (laughs) Yuck. Um, Maybe it is rodent dropping white. (laughs) How do we bring rodents into this adventure? There's usually a lot of rats on boats, right? Of unusual size. (laughs) <laughs> getting a little princess bridey right. here um so so i think it's the spike the the spike that charges up uh witch of the waves yeah and like works as like a battery for witch of the waves uh can also work as a teleportation device that teleports you to witch of the waves so once you get the assignment from the town or you know whoever is going to be in there Handing you the spike. Maybe we should name the spike too. Uh, the Witch of the Wave spike. And then Power Word, whatever, brings you to Witch of the Waves. But that just gets you going. I mean, the motivation to stop Spike seems slightly. Can we more call the, um, the Witch of the Waves spike the summoner, Summoning Shard? Oh no! I like that. A trigger word shard. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. We can we can call it. No, no, else. no. I didn't mean it that way. I just meant that. <laughs> um, that's always a trigger word for us old designers. Oh, somebody used the word shard. That means they don't have any ideas. Shard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. Fair enough. How about the um the summoning swarm? Ooh. And it's actually a. Uh, this the summoning it's actually a swarm of rats Ooh. <laughs> put that engulf you and then you just have a swarm of rats like on board with you at all yeah, times no it's like a swarm of rats starts swirling around you and that's what teleports you onto the witch oh of the i waves. like that okay swarm Ooh. of rats so you have to actually allow yourself to be Yikes. swarmed by rats and oh. then that teleports you to the No, no, this is great too cuz then you could have it be part of the same conscious, right? The swarm of rats is also Witch of the Waves and the way that Witch of the Waves gets around on land. Oh, right? I love so it. can bring oh, you back cool. onto the yeah, ship. I like that. And you just Ooh, let's... psychically talk to the swarm Brilliant! of rats. Okay. So, I would like to I would like to add this uh, caveat to the Witch of the Waves because Earlier, I said, turns any creature on its deck to a frog. Oh, uh-huh. I'm going to change that now to a rat. Okay. Right? Much less useful oh, so in a sea adventure. Well, so you could swarm you know, with the other rats? Rats can swim, kind of. Yes. <laughs> and then 
I think that when you polymorph yourself into a and its occupants into a creature, it needs to specifically be a giant sea rat. Ooh. Sea rat. Is okay. Cool? Like it's just <laughs> Yeah. Cool We're the rats of the sea, Billy. <laughs> Can you imagine that you're just in a Viking longboat and you're just being chased by this shark like fast swimming rat? Sea rat? Yeah. <laughs> sea rat? You want to talk about uh, Nightmare on Elm Street? Yeah, I know. It's very intimidating. Like, this is some stuff of nightmares. Hmm. Oh, yeah, you're on ship and you could. Witch of the Waves just turns into a rat and you're just part of the big polymorph rat consciousness. <laughs> now, so let's not forget, we do want to make sure that the players have agency. So <laughs> if we just. No, I, I feel well, like you made have to this drive cool, the ship. cool boat, though. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like yeah. we have the, it's a conscious, it's just like a magic sword, right? The sword's not going to swing it. I mean, unless it's a dancing sword, I guess. But I mean, uh, maybe we make it where the ship doesn't drive itself, right? You still have to. This adventure isn't going it. to screw itself up. We're going to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you got to have PCs to do. You got players are going to do that for us all. Yeah. I don't think we need to worry about whether or not this adventure can screw itself up. Uh, the players will handle that just fine. <laughs> Oh dear. Okay. Well, I mean, this seems this seems pretty okay. Um, we have a, um, a a witch of the waves that turns into a swarm of rats so that it can engulf creatures on land to then become its passengers to help it save its spike kidnapped boat babies from the mafiosa Viking pirate who is pillaging. The lands for their paper. Am I, yeah. Did I did I say that correctly? It sounds get, right to me. I have never heard anything more cogent in my life. Yeah, I'm waiting for the movie. Uh, <laughs> and can we can we just go back to the villain for a moment? Because and let sure. me ask this question: Is Spike alone in this, or does oh. does he have a retinue of other Vikings and yes. pirates? Minions? Are there minions on board? I mean, I've been thinking there's this whole time that Spike has a fleet of ships. And so each ship could have, you know, multiple minions on it. Right. Ed, when you think about Spike, the fish-headed <laughs> Viking pillager, <laughs> what do you see his crew looking like? His minions? In your Giant mind, in your rats eye, wearing tricorn like? hats and um, with cutlasses um, belted at their waists. Oh my god! Oh, this is, so it's all this giant rat-like adventure. They are pirates. So maybe there's. <laughs> sorry. Oh, 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 sorry. We Normally that's there. Andrew. You feed him to it. Oh, sorry. Wow. I'm into it, but I love this. So right, so because then maybe uh, the witch or uh, why am I forgetting the boat's name? Witch of the waves. The wind. Witch of the waves. Witch of the waves was part of them, mm. right? And broke off. Oh. So like this whole rat theme, like you like. Witch of the Waves was is like uh, a former member turned against them, right? So it has all this inf- inside information about what they're doing, and is like they're you know they created me. Now they're creating my babies, and they're like I don't want them to grow up how I. It's like a gangster movie, right? Sure. It's like I don't want my kids in this life that I was in. <laughs> <laughs> giant giant rats in tricornered hats. Can you believe that? I think that's amazing. All right, let's do it. Let's move into our uh, final uh, segment here, which is we need an actual location 
which will be a fun thing to discuss uh, for what this adventure is. So let's move into that, the final, well, almost final part, the location. No need for random monsters. This area is overrun. It's their neck or yours. Dangerous location! Okay, now let's figure out wh- where we're going. We've got a lot about the the what the and the who, but we need a where. Uh, so let's start with Steve, I think. What do you think? Where do you think we're going? Well, we have uh, we need to think about Andrew is going to draw an actual map, and we have a lot of who's doing what. And my instinct, and I don't know if we want to go with it, is to maybe do a small archipelago, like maybe a group of four islands. Oh, as... well, so I'll just I'll just cut you off right there Steve, sure. and say, let's create what we want to create. And then I'll figure out how to draw it later. Maybe it will be good. Maybe it will be trash. But <laughs> um, let's not worry about that now. Um, I think some islands could be fun. Well, I mean, do you just want to choose one obstacle? Is that what we're thinking? I just want us to be on the same page as far as, like, what we're thinking about doing. Like, are we doing a race with obstacles in it? Are we going to have, like, little mini stops? Yeah. It could be both somehow. I don't know. It could also be, like, the sea rats, the lair of the sea rats, which could be, like, a, you know, like a floating pile of garbage out in the middle of the ocean. Um, it could be, uh, you know, the actual, um, Spike's boat, you know, what is like the, the adventure, you know, the action, the battle action could take place on, you know, the actual, did we name Spike's short boat? I guess it's just a small boat, right? Uh, we haven't named it yet, but I think we should, I think we should keep it somewhat broad, but. A nautical-themed obstacle for the PCs to overcome or yeah. uh, a location for them to be able to, you know, interact and, and move the story forward on. Is, Ed, what yeah. do you think you'd have the most fun creating for the uh, physical location part of this? Hmm. Well, I almost feel like it shouldn't be water because... That forces the adventurers, the player characters, to be front and center, not the boat. And <laughs> yeah, so maybe the rat pirate lair might be great. Yeah, and and all the boat can do is come along as this swirling maelstrom of rats, but as it travels, it loses rats; they die and fall out of it. So it can only it can uh, only yeah. be with the players for brief times to point out mm. really critical things. And the rest of the time, it has to give the players a missioning, then get out of the way. Yeah, so what if the, the actual location is, maybe it is an island, um, or maybe it's um, you know something floating in the middle of the ocean, but it's the pie rat's Over. nest. It's the, yeah, it's I the, love the pie rat's like home nest. base where they've taken all of their precious paper. All right, let's do it. Let's uh, okay. each. I, I love this nest. idea. I think it's great. The pirate's nest, and let's just each pick a location that we want to include in this, and then uh, we could elaborate on it. Um, Steve, I'll, why don't you go first? Yeah, I'll start, and we'll go with the uh, pirate's treasure room, 
which is also the throne room, which is just piles and piles of papers built into different nests. Um, oh, I get it. Like they need they need the paper because that's what that's they like. Make the, it's like their bedding. Yeah. Like that's what they ham- make their their nest out of. Yeah, it's like a hamster. And it keeps on getting there. wet, which is why they have to replenish it. Yeah, they're not using it for what everyone else is using it for. They're using it for uh, filler. So, <laughs> and to roll their piratey rat cigarettes. <laughs> yeah, with precious spell scrolls. Yeah, exactly. yeah, right. They don't care about the precious spell scrolls, but those make oh. the best blunts. Uh, <laughs> divine, <laughs> divine writings. Yeah, you've never gotten blazed with a uh, you know scroll of fireball, you know. <laughs> but so so that's what i'll say so this is like the uh it's the throne room treasure room but it's also kind of where everyone sleeps it's the main eating room so it's almost also like a viking mead hall this main room right so along the edges are where all the different beds and nests are everyone has their own in there and everyone's little rat families are in there as well then there's a long table uh that is uh used for post pillaging feasts um, and I will say this table will uh, give, uh, you know, enlarged person if you jump on the table and boast. So the big thing about mead halls is giving a good boast. So if you could get on that table, hold up a, a horn of ale and give your best boast, then you could get enlarged person. So these, these rats are already big. But then the players come in and they're like, ah, we're going to steal your stuff, you stupid rats. And then one of the rats jumps up on the table with its uh, paper. Oh, it's got a paper cup, right? Obviously, it's oh, Yeah, or, like uh, uh, they just have all those like, like uh, yeah, triangle office, paper cups. Yeah, those office water. Grabs water its paper coolers. cup full of, <laughs> of rat mead and says, I'll take you down. And then this giant rat becomes an even gianter rat. And starts attacking. Yeah, so they're like human size, and then they get on the table and boast, and they're like, I've eaten, you know, people four times your side back when I was in the equivalent of Waters Deep. (laughs) (laughs) And then they turn like 15 feet tall, and then they're a problem. But you know what? You can get on the table and boast too, you know? Ooh, so size does matter. Okay. There you go. (laughs) We're playing a real size matters campaign. (laughs) And Rob, everything what you... except for the long boat. Rob, give me a part of the uh, pirate's lair. So I envision the entire lair being uh, encircled. I we're in the middle of the ocean somehow, but it's encircled by a giant dam, and they've created like a uh, a way to hold back the waves, and they've been able to like inset the whole place. Paper mache. Paper mache, maybe, yeah. <laughs> It's a paper mache dam. Yeah, <laughs> but along the along the edge of the dam is a bunch of like different parapets, and uh, there's maybe um, and this serves as like the first obstacle to getting into the pirate. Would you say nest. that those? Would you say that those parapets are paper 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 parapets? Sure, why not? Yeah. Okay. And uh, <laughs> checking on the spelling of that. So you could you could uh, assault it many ways. There's a main gate. You could try and breach through there, like you know, like that. But maybe there's a like sewer entrance around the back, or you could try and scale up the side stealthily. 
Um, but it's just a, a big... Ooh, is the sewer entrance like an underwater entrance? Yeah, definitely. Okay. All right. Wait, so I Rob, like let me get this in my brain, so I'm imagining it the same way. Is it like walls like a dam like a big yeah. wall like if i'm lo- if i'm sailing up to it and i see it it just looks like a big cylindrical wall yeah more or less okay but and it's then, not, like if you were to like look flat, at a cutaway like, of it though would it be like an upside down dome yeah that's what i'm sort of thinking yeah yeah okay so like they make the paper mache around a balloon mm-hmm. right? oh it's just, and, then yeah. they, and then they pop the balloon right pretty much <laughs> and cut it in half Right. Okay, I got it. And then, where do you see the ships docking? As how do the ships get in? Well, I, I there's a main like gate. I said, there's a main gate for the pirates to use, but you know it's heavily guarded, and they have you know some sort of lock or something like that to keep out unwanted visitors. <laughs> All right, excellent, Ed. You want to give us a part of the pirates' lair? I. I see that the pirates need a new queen. Ooh. And the mm. new queen of the pirates. And the queen is created, or rather, it's a captive that they must bring alive into this chamber and strap onto the throne. And the magic of the throne will gradually transform that captive into their new queen. Whoa. Uh, and so, of course, that means the uh, <clears throat> the player characters, if they do the wrong thing, right, are, right. are could be the could, new could rat be the queen. New rat queen, yeah. That could be considered a victory by some. <laughs> well, you know. And then, Ed, how do you think this strap-on throne looks? Looks. <laughs> Phrasing. Wait, is that not what you said? Is that not Phrasing. what I heard? Right? <laughs> Um, um, uh, well, it, it should look, it should look in some way that we can get it past the censors of middle America. Uh, so, uh, um, it should be something, um, it should, it should look like an electric chair with all those straps. <laughs> That's the very threatening, like, yeah. uh, yeah. Do you think that there's a separate room for this? Like some sort of, uh, ritual magic? ceremony room or does this happen in the main meeting? I, I think it should be uh, something where uh, there are lots of balconies overlooking it so the rats can come and watch this happen and also make sure oh. that the... Oh, like a viewing room. Yeah. Like a court yeah. and the cat. So like think maybe, the, maybe the main chamber has like little rat holes coming off of it and there's like little... Maybe like along the walls in this room, there's like little rat holes where the rats can come out. Yeah, and peek, peek down and watch the. Because you don't want your captive you getting this... away. Yeah. Do you see this uh, open aired or? Uh, roofed? Oh, roofed in the center of everything. You have to go down through the dungeon mm-hmm. to get to it. Yeah. Um. <laughs> um. So if getting there, uh, you're getting your friend, your captured buddy who the, the future queen out is going to be a matter of fighting your way all the way down and all the way back out again. And I imagine, do, so I'll go ahead and create my, uh, oh, did you have a question, Steve? I Sorry. did. Uh, to go back with that, do you think that they have captives as well to attempt to make their new pirate Oh, queen? yeah. I, I think like, they capture all sorts so, of people, but they're looking for the right ones. And, of course, the adventurers right, so, are the right ones. Naturally. Right. So when they so when we see them 
put someone into this, what happens when they're not the right one? And they pull the lever. No, no. (laughs) No, no. I think the throne begins to wither them and suck its essence, their essence into the throne to power it so it has power to transform others so the throne is just sort of reducing them to shriveled husk of skin like a sloth snake skin oh, over to bones like, to like sheaths of paper yeah. almost <laughs> <laughs> then they go take the sloughed off skin and make new nests alright so check this out I'm going to make my room now which is the dolls room and this is a room where um, all of the dried out uh, queen transformation attempts reside, uh, but the magic of this room animates them, and they are little more than paper dolls, but these incredibly... and Oh, and they can be invisible if they turn sideways. But these incredibly thin sheaths of paper will attack the, uh, the players as they try to prevent... Uh, they're a little bit jealous, right? So um, they will try to prevent the players from making it down to the uh, queen creation chamber. Oh, so are they sabotaging proper queens from, like, anytime there's been a queen, oh, yeah. they kill the queen, but, like, they're holy, so they can't kill the, <laughs> these paper people. Also, their main attack... Oh, paper people paper is great. Cut. <laughs> yeah, so their special attack is is to cut you, right? Um, There's a, like a little uh, karate chop with a very thin cut. You dead. cut. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Um, There's this whole like ecosystem of like they're kidnapping people, they're bringing them down there to create queens. Uh, when it all the failed queens go into a side room, that's the paper people room. But then when they do get a proper queen, all the p- paper people try to assassinate the queen out of jealousy mm. sure i mean so there's like your dungeon ecology right yep. there right but like they can't get rid of the paper people because it's holy to them i mean nobody really wants to get rid of the paper people until the paper people start attacking the potential queens i feel like this is the easiest uh adventure to win simply by bringing any fire with you yeah <laughs> <laughs> Or well, scissors. Maybe the, maybe the paper's a little... Yeah, or scissors, right? <laughs> har, har. Maybe the paper's a little bit wet. True. Right? Because it's all, it's all at sea, so it's a little Everything's damp. Everything's damp. And oh, yeah. And it's hard, hard to ignite. Oh, maybe that's why where they're at, it's dark and damp, and it's impossible. Like, fl- fire stuff just doesn't work here, right? Like, maybe they found a place in the mm. ocean that just fire doesn't work here, period. So it's cold, it's, it's damp. Humid. I like it. Fun. Yeah, you guys. And that puts an interesting that puts an interesting little um, little predicament on the players who might yeah. sort of naturally go towards an aggressive fire spell or you know lighting a torch or whatnot. And it just it's poofs like, out oh, immediately. Sorry. Yeah, it's dark down here, and your torch doesn't work. Yeah, and every day you have to roll a save versus pneumonia. <laughs> <laughs> A dangerous um, place so, to be. Hey, everyone, I think that we have successfully created the probably the most intensive paper pirate adventure ever created. Um, Truly groundbreaking. Never... <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. Um, Ed, it's been 
such a pleasure having you on the show. Before we uh, dip out, though, um, well, let's get we an want... overview of the whole thing. Well, yeah, we want to do an overview of everything we've created, and then we want to make sure that we um, plug uh, the projects that you're working on, the ones that you can't talk about <laughs> um, specifically. <Yeah. laughs> um, uh, Steve, do you want to try and do the recap of everything that we've covered? Okay. Or actually, Ed, Ed, do you think no, you can do it? I, you I, can I, I, I'm, no? I'm, I'm a designer. I'm going. Wait a minute. What about this? Now, if I was doing that, <laughs> yeah, ready. just keep adding yeah, to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I'm going price point. How many maps? Would this be 3D? Would there be a cutout foldout thing that you give the people? No, nah, you see, my mind just doing that. Ed, if we were doing this as a proper full-on adventure, there's no way we would be able to do this without like uh, cardboard cutout standees, yeah. you know, like or full-on pop-up book, yeah, style yeah. adventure. And then we'd commission an outside you know. company to do a really expensive throne mini, yeah, that, that is right. big enough to sit on, so that you know <laughs> the cops have something to seize when they break down your door and say, "What are you doing in here?" Perfect. What are you What are you doing with that large throne that looks like an electric chair? <laughs> You're like it's a throne. It's an electric chair. That's a throne. Just <laughs> it's, it's a throne. Yes. Just Just give me. I need a man sized rat. Go and get me one. Yeah. Can you just find me a man sized rat? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Certainly, sir. Just put on this nice warm straight jacket while we go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no. Again, I've been watching lots of Nightmare on Elm Street. They keep ending up in uh, mental institutions and that thing. And <laughs> I'm into it. All right, let's do a, let's do an overview. Here we go. So we have our PCs. The PCs are approached by a swarm of rats who <laughs> who call them uh, to action to uh, help them. Uh, <laughs> I don't. This explanation is going to be crazy right off the beginning to be like, no, I'm not a swarm of rats. I'm also a ship called uh, Witch of the Waves. However it works out, they get the PCs to agree to it, teleport them to Witch of the Waves, already on the sea, in pursuit of uh, the pirate led by Spike on his Viking longboats. Uh, Spike and uh, their crew are just getting back from having pillaged the coast. I assume that we are also starting where the PCs are uh, being uh, brought in by locals to say, oh, stop these gangster pirates from pirating us. Yeah, so we've really got two entry points there, right, Steve? We've got either or both the village leader asks them to track down Spike. Or um, the Witch of the Waves is asking the players to help rescue the kidnapped boat babies well i think the uh you're brought in same thing right like where it is both yeah, same, where you, either or both yeah yeah where it's like they're find the pcs and they're like okay we'll do it then they're like all right come with me into this room the room's just swarming with rats and they're like no no it's gonna be cool <laughs> <laughs> and then they it's the first time they meet away. which of the waves and in, in swarming rat form is is which of the waves in a giant trench coat and you can't necessarily tell that it's a swarm of rats. <laughs> yeah, maybe. It's a meat it's a meat cute. I'm just wondering which of our PCs is which of our players is just going to fall in love with which of the waves. Uh, all of them probably. All of them. Yeah, every yeah. single one. But only one could be a pirate queen. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll take turns. No. <laughs> who's queen this week get in the chair i don't know which of us is most Um, withered (laughs) yeah 
So uh, getting onto the boat will bring you to the pirate lair. The pirates are finishing, uh, have already finished their last pillaging mission where they've kidnapped lots of locals that they're going to attempt to turn into their pirate queen, uh, along with lots and lots of paper and paper products, which is in demand. Um, once you get to the uh, pirate's lair, there's a giant wall uh, that's blocking everything off, and you need to figure out how to gain egress into it. Inside, there's a main uh, mead hall where <clears throat> where they are boasting and uh, counting up their loot and separating their loot. Um, and I guess from that same area going downstairs, there will then have a ceremony of some sort to try to create a new pirate queen with their captives. Off to the side from the Pirate's Queen ritual room is the leftover, slogged-off, withered, failed Pirate Queens that are uh, angry and jealous of anyone who actually becomes a Pirate Queen. Uh, can the PCs save all of the kidnapped peoples? Can the PCs not fall in love with Spike the Pirate Queen <laughs> King? Or, <laughs> or the Witch of the Waves. Or the, or Witch of the Waves. There's a, a lot of opportunities for love in this adventure. <laughs> Which of the waves? A very hunky boat. Oh. <laughs> All, right. All right. Thanks for being before, on the show, Ed. My pleasure. Before we let you go, though, let's just uh, real quick. Um, on Twitter, you can find Ed at the Edverse. Check out Fate of the Norns, new Ragnarok. I think it's on Patreon right now, or maybe it's already been on Patreon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, what's on Patreon right now is us creating Athcliath the city also go check out on patreon uh fate of the norns ragnarok cool ed is there anything else that you want to uh shout out before we uh take off i also just want to say ed has written a lot of stuff i recommend you just read uh, yes yeah <laughs> and that and i honestly have no good starting point i don't know if you do from the beginning oh how about no, i do i've got a great starting point start with um elminster making of a mage and then read through all of the elminster book which is uh my current um, plan. Excellent. Yes, you you have no more life. You know It'll it be the rest of your life reading through. <laughs> yes. Uh, oh gosh. Um. Yeah. How many have I? Uh, I I'm up over like 470 books. So you know. Um. I hope you have a lot of spare time. <laughs> Work for the government. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, get some good reading in well, where you work. We highly recommend, unless you're my employee, to slack off on the job and uh, read instead of doing what you're supposed yeah, to. Yeah. I think that'd be yeah. the way to go. Gosh. All right, Ed, this has been a pleasure having my you on. Pleasure. Thank you so it's much. It's been great. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Epic Levels Mad Dungeon Podcast. Let us know if you run this or any of our other adventures. You can support us via Patreon at patreon.com slash epiclevels for bonus map content, extra art, sticker packs, t-shirts, access to our Discord server, and lots of other exclusive goodies. Subscribe to us on your favorite podcast player. Leave a comment and tell your friends. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at epic underscore levels. Get nerd merch and stay up to date at epiclevelsrapgods.com. The Epic Levels Mad Dungeon podcast is hosted by Andrew Bullery, Rob Bullery, and Steve Albertson. Produced by Zach Cowan. 
theme song by Epic Levels and Beat by Interesting, aka Mason Grant, who also makes tabletop games that you can purchase at GammaWaveGames.com. And until next time, may your crits be plentiful and your fumbles few.